Kingsman The Golden Circle is the sequel to the incredibly popular Kingsman The Secret Service, but is this a regal sequel or a paltry offering? I'm Mike. And I'm Darren. And this is Popscore. podcast and today we're going to be talking about Kingsman the Golden Circle, a sequel to a movie that me and Darren really enjoyed when it came out. Really, really enjoyed. Um, it's definitely my top 50 movies ever made. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's just it was such a breath of fresh air when we were getting good but not really fun James Bond movies. It was more yeah. serious spy Daniel Craig stuff, far cry from like, you know, Pierce Brosnan type style. But this felt like, I've heard a lot of people say this is like a Roger Moore movie, era Bond movie, done well. Yeah. And I agree with that. And I had such high hopes for the sequel. Really coming with a lot of momentum. Yeah, I think and it comes from a director. It comes from Matthew Vaughan. Yep. Again, this one does, as does the original. A director who really knows how to frame action just so well. Mm-hmm. And, and, and really has nailed at least action set pieces down to just a... A second nature. It's one of the finest of yeah, his it's, it's tools. A, he's got a great track record. He really has. I mean, X-Men First Class reinvigorated X-Men and kind of... We should really blame him for them not going back to Marvel because if they had that failed, they'd probably be there by now. Yeah. Um, and then he went and did Kick-Ass, which we both, again, top 50 movie for both of us. I both think Kick-Ass is movie. in my top 10, never mind that. Wow. It's, it's, I love that for movie. And then Kick-Ass 2. Yeah. Mm. Which is a debate we've still yet to have. We, we keep teasing. We'll get there. there. We'll get there. We will. And Kingman, again, knocked you out of the park. Golden Circle. You know what? It's passable. You know what? You know when we sometimes have contrarian opinions? Yeah. And then whoever has it usually turns the other one onto their side. Mm. I kind of did that to myself in this movie. Yeah. I came out of it thinking, that was good. I enjoyed that. The more I thought about it, yeah. the least, the less I like it retroactively. I've definitely had the same experience. Like Straight out of it, I'm like, that, deli- that was a Kingsman sequel. That delivered the action that I wanted and the jokes that I wanted. But the more and more you start to unpack this movie and the more you re- yeah. reflect on it, it's just a, a shadow of what it used to be. Yeah. it's. It, I mean, for starters, it really does lose all of its um, its knowingness, if you know what I mean. It invests, and there, this is going to seem like a weird sort of backhanded comment, but it invests too much in its campy, silly world. It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't do anything knowingly. It, it just does it. It's like they kind of guessed wrong about what people really liked about the first movie. Yeah. Like, they thought the heightened reality was what people were after. Because, you know, outside of Samuel Jackson doing his weird take-over-the-world plot, it's more straightforward than you would think. Mm. I mean, there's a little bit of heightened expectations and heightened reality, but they've really doubled down on this one. And I think it's it's detrimental. Because it's quite a big leap from, from what... Sam Jackson was just using mobile technology to create a frequency that sent people insane. That's not too far-fetched as far as Bond movies go, True. which sometimes have space lasers. Um, that's to remind you of Die Another Day. Yep. Um, but this one has robots. It has this weird 50s nostalgia thing in the middle of the Colombian jungle. Okay, I, I can't fault that. I thought it was an interesting design choice of, like... 
Because this is the weird thing. This movie has a lot more message than the first one. Yeah. That's not necessarily welcome. <laughs> no, say. it's very misguided in its message. Yeah. It's really weird. But see it. Robots, robot arms. Yeah. Is another thing. Really weird gadgets. Um, and it's not a spoiler because we see in the trailers. Yeah. Someone surviving being shot in the head. Yeah. Literal Deus Ex Machina is yeah. one of the plot points. And and it's so bizarre. It's so bizarre that we all kind of accept it. It's like it's gone into like an alternative universe where all of this is real. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a grounded, somewhat grounded movie like the first one did. They've really gone gung ho on that. And it was bad. But here's the thing. The first one had that curve, didn't it? It started out very realistic. It was like, it's feasible that somebody from a lower caste background could have a My Fair Lady style story to becoming a super spy. Yeah. But then by the end, it's ramped up so far that you're having a fight with somebody who's got swords for legs. But but you because you're on that curve with them, yeah, you accept it more. Whereas this one just kind of starts from there. It plateaus essentially, and that's the problem. It doesn't it doesn't supply anything new. It's got a, a number of cool design choices, but but the story has plateaued. There is nowhere to go, which no. is unfortunate. Um, and it just doesn't. Okay, so the, the height and reality is one thing, but I also don't think it's as tight a movie as the first one. No, it's definitely a lot sloppier. It's trying to be a bigger movie, but that has come at the cost of all cohesion in the plot. It's so scatterbrained in its approach to how, how it does things. And I mean, th- there are points where that's good, like the cameo, which I'm going to gush over later. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people <laughs> liked it, but I fucking loved it. Um, and, and we get to go and see a lot. It felt more like a globetrotty Bond movie. Yeah. Where they kind of go to, you know, snowy place, sunny place, da la 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 That was a bit of a, a, a welcome addition. But again, the the character motivations and the, the plan of the villain, and it's mm. all so loose. It falls to pieces under the tiniest bit of scrutiny when you think about it. It really does. One person that doesn't really fall apart, though, at any point is Taron Egerton. Who, yes. Who just proves he's Hollywood material. Thank God he can hold it together at least a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Because he's relied upon to be uh, more of a main character than he was in the first one. Because you can argue that Colin Firth and him kind of share top billion in that first movie, whereas here it's basically all Taron Egerton's job to, to hold it together and take, that, take you on that journey. And he does a very good job. He's, he's actually more likeable in this movie, I think. Yeah, there's definitely more of a sense of that his character, if nobody else, has evolved, which is really cool. Yeah, because you're not having that knee-jerk reaction of, oh, he's a chav and I don't like chavs. That's gone there. He still is. There's one or two scenes where he kind of goes back to that, but they show that his heart's in the right place, he's doing it for the right reasons, and he's a true hero. Yeah. So he comes out of this golden, ah, yeah. so he's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mark Strong as well. Yeah. As a really, really good turd again as uh, Merlin playing like the kind of cue to... to the guy um, in the chair, essentially. Yeah. And and he's great as well. We the, get to see more of him as a as kind of outside of that character trope he was in the first movie. Yeah, yeah. And it's for the betterment you of get the to movie, see, I think. You get to see him step into like a, a fatherly or an uncle yeah. ro- like sort of role. And a bit more of a field agent as well, which is interesting. I really liked... Basically, I, I don't dislike Mark Strong in anything. I think that's what I'm saying. Now, I think this is where the, the kind of the bright light came to me. The reason I like those two characters the most, and they were by far and away my two favourite parts of the movie, is because they're the only things that kind of came from the first movie as is. Yeah. They feel like they came from that first reality of the Kingsman universe, and they've stepped into this new one, which is very different in a lot of ways than that first movie. Mm. Um Chiefly because we're again introduced to the statesman, which is the big thing in this movie. Is it spoiler to talk about why we meet the statesman? 
I, I mean, it's in the trailers, I think. You yes, see a lot of explosions. Trailers. You do, yeah. Things do get blown up. A lot of things in that first movie get chucked out. Yeah. Um, but that then leads us to going stateside to go and meet the statesmen. Um, and I think design-wise, I do like what they did yeah. with the statesmen. It's just a shame that it's so much of a secondary note to everything else. Like, I feel like we could have had a good movie just being like, okay, forget all of the the random sort of 50s kitsch in the middle of the the jungle thing. And if it was just about what does a American counterpart of the Kingsman look like? How do yeah. they act? What are their, you know, because we get an insight into their weapons, their base, whatever, but nothing, nothing to the detail, like the training, for example. Yeah. Nothing to the detail of the Kingsman. And that's such a detriment because I feel like that their institutionalized thing being a cowboy yeah. is so much more rife for humor. Yeah. And they just don't use it. They squander it, which is such a shame. Yeah, they don't really... The Statesmen overall, I think, were a bit of a disappointment compared to what they could have been. The fact been. that they're a whiskey company is badass, yeah, though. That's it just, is. I was like, of all the things, this is the coolest thing you could have been. Well, you've got Jeff Bridges as kind of the, the lead of it. Showing up for three scenes, obviously. Three scenes, yeah. all in the same room. Yep. I presume he did them all on the same day. <laughs> he had a, he had a free weekend, on. didn't he? Yeah. Channing Tatum... Let me tell you now, the trailers have lied to you. Yep. If you thought this was going to be Taron Edgerton and Taylor and, and Channing Tatum taking on the world, you are incorrect in that presumption. Which is a shame, because that would have been a good movie. I know. Grand total of action scenes for Channing Tatum. One. one. <laughs> it's the one you see from the trailer where he's beating up Taron Edgerton and, and, and Mark Strong, and that's it. Right? After that, he gets written out for some plot contrivance, and they literally put him on ice yeah. for the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah. So... The one we spend the most time with, we spend time with Halle Berry's Ginger Ale, um, who's kind of the Mark Strong Q equivalent in this organisation. Who I liked, but I didn't love. I li- they didn't really do enough with her. They set her up quite nicely. I'm like, okay, I can see this kind of like, the the, the, the sort of the nerdy female being outcast in, in essentially a company full of cowboys. Yeah. And how I thought that she was going to get like an acceptance arc and she didn't. And, and they also didn't really play at what everyone expected to be like a kind of love back and forth between her and Mark Strong. Yeah. That, that really wasn't played for anything. That really could have added some weight to the movie that wasn't there. But it felt like, because it's so easy to see that connecting tissue, you feel that was in an earlier draft of this movie. They wrote it out but couldn't write it out completely. So there's like threads of it here and there, but it doesn't really amount to anything. Yeah. Um, and then we spent, then we got a, a main statesman representative for this movie, the one we've most of the time Played by, I can never remember the actor. Pedro name. Pascal. Pedro Pascal, aka the Red Fucking Viper from Game of Thrones. <laughs> now, you have watched Game of Thrones, yet you don't know how fucking cool the Red Viper is, right? He's not been in it for a few seasons and he's still the coolest character in that entire show, right? <laughs> nice. He's the only one having sex on a regular basis <laughs> and in a normal and cool way. He's handsome, he's a badass, he's the Lando Calrissian of Game of Thrones. Nice. He's the fucking best. Unfortunately, <laughs> okay, okay. It's no bad mark against Pedro Pascal that you know he he's coming in here. He's still doing a bit of the Aubrey Martel thing. That he's still the coolest guy in the room. They they play up how suave he can be. He's basically the new Antonio Banderas. Yeah, and it works for the most part. But you don't really get endeared to the character because he's he's playing the cowboy stereotype too much. I feel like you don't really get to have much fun with him outside of one yeah. scene. The rest of it, he's kind of, he's kind of stoic. Mm. And that's a shame, because there's a lot with this character going on that's just kind of like mentioned once and completely forgotten. Yeah. Which is, it's just such a shame. Again, 
it's another wasted potential. It's yeah. Because we need to focus on something. Like, the only thing that they seem to focus on is, like, the prop design, where there's a bunch of colourful and interesting weapons. That's nice. Or yeah. the set design, which, whilst great, some fantastic sets in the movie, it's... Those are supposed to be backdrops for the actors to be good. Yeah. And we don't get a lot no. of that because the people you booked are only in three fucking scenes. No, but you get... Now, Channing, for, for the little time he's in it, is acting like an actual cowboy. Which is great. Whereas Pedro Fowler just feels like another Kingsman agent. He's too reserved. If you're going to be playing a fucking cowboy who's also a spy, you'd think you'd be a bit of an extrovert. Yeah. But he doesn't really do that. So it doesn't feel like he's adding anything to the movie that we didn't have in the first one with the Kingsman agents. She's quite bad. And again, I'm just so sad he didn't get to be Ori Martel with an electric lasso. Because that that's cool. a fucking amazing sentence. Yeah. Oh, God. He definitely would have beat up the mountain then. <laughs> oh, Christ. Um, so that was such a disappointment to me. I was really looking forward to enjoying him. And he just it just stops. For other reason we'll get to in the spoilers, just kind of stop him from being the coolest guy. Yeah. Somebody else I was disappointed with, Julianne Moore. Oh, fucking hate Julianne Moore. Right, I'm going to put cards on the table now. Right. <laughs> Fucking shit! I've touched a nerve. I've fucking had it with Julianne Moore. <laughs> right, she was in Jurassic Park: The Lost World. Yep. Right. Okay. So I have to accept her that she, in that universe, is married to my all-time favourite film character ever. Yep. Right. And that saddens me. <laughs> Julianne Moore has not been in a good movie since Jurassic Park: The Lost World, which most people will actually agree isn't a good movie. But fuck them, they're stupid. <laughs> Jurassic Park 3 is better. No, colonoscopy is better than Jurassic Park 3. Right. I can't think of any movie I've seen Julianne Moore in that I've liked. Either If I've liked it, it's in spite of Julianne Moore or she has actively ruined it. I'm thinking The Hunger Games, where she played such a weird character, hmm. I didn't get it at all. She was in that Don John with um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, which was already off the rail before she turned up. Oh, really? I didn't know she was in there. Oh, God, yeah, it's weird. Um, I, I can't spoil that movie, can I? No, best not to. Best not to. Goes off the rails. And I just kept thinking about it. I was like, whenever she turns up, she's not good. I do not enjoy her. I didn't enjoy her in this movie at all. No, she's playing this. Oh, God. This is the thing that, if you think about it for more than five seconds, makes no sense whatsoever. She lives in a kitschy 50s dinery thing because we needed a quirk. Fucking hated that. It looks stupid. No, no, I like that. To each their own. It was fucking stupid and I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) She's playing this weird kind of like southern gal who's like the head of a drug company and it's never really explained how she got there. Yeah, she has no backstory. She just kind of appears. She just, again, she's powered by a metric fuck ton of quirk, right? And then, and then, uh, right, so her thing is she's the head of a drug cartel, she's a billionaire, she's the most successful businesswoman on the planet, yet no one knows who she is. But if you have that amount of money, oh, and she's like, oh, I have to live in the Colombian rainforest because I'm a drug leader of a drug cartel. So she has to live in secret because she's the head of a drug cartel. No one knows who she is. You see how those two things are clashing ideals, right? She could literally move to anywhere, buy any amount of land, set up a 50s theme park and be famous for that. But she chooses not to because the plot needs her to be in the Colombian jungle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I fucking hate it. I hate it so much. She was, I, I, she's the female Mark Wahlberg. Oh, wow, that's strong. In terms of, I think she's a better actress than Mark Wahlberg is, because everyone's a better actor than Mark Wahlberg is, but she's such a, like, tainted mark against a movie that the second I see her, I'm like, oh. And if you notice in the trailers, she gets top billing. 
Not That's Colin true. Firth. Not Taron Egerton, the actual stars of the fucking movie. Julianne fucking Moore. No. What were your thoughts on the character, Michael? I hated her. <laughs> hey! she, she was terrible. I really, like, there was nothing... Like you said, they, they just introduced this character with, with no sort of, like... She just appears and kills off everything we love about the first movie. Yeah. That, I think that's why I hated her the most. Because you had stuff like... You, you had the Kingsman Manor with Roxy, who was the character I really liked oh, in the movie. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Played by Sophie Cook, I want to say. I think Sophie Cook. Uh, Sophie Cook. Sorry. Let's pop over to Pig Corner for a second. Big old thumbs up for you, Sophie Cookson. Backhead of Pig Corner. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. All. Thanks for that. Um, and the the tailor shop, which, you know, that gets blown up as well. Yeah. Basically, she just waltzes the fuck in and erases all the things we like <laughs> yeah. from the first movie. So no wonder we hate her. Yeah, she did. Oh, she blew up Dumbledore. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot the Michael Gambon. Like, they will let Michael Gambon for two <laughs> Just to go off. Oh, Oh, fuck. <laughs> it was fun to watch Michael Gambon say, oh, fuck. And amazingly, not the most fun cameo of this movie. We'll we get will, to that. We'll we get will get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> oh. Yeah, there was no reason for her to be the enemy. No. Especially because we they set up another character who's the actual final boss, but not really. Yeah. There was no need for it to be there. And because her, her entire plotline is to ham-fistedly introduce this plotline about the war on drugs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I absolutely fucking hated where it went. Mm-hmm. I really did. Uh, oh, it turns out that drugs can be used for other things. No shit, Sherlock. Like, no one's, like... I get that America is still, like, for the most part, a backward-ass country when it comes to stuff like that. England is still a backward-ass country Thank when God it comes to that. Thank God you said that. <laughs> most places yeah. are. Basically, outside of, like... Because if... I get what they were doing and they were doing as like some kind of recreational drug kind of thing but they were basically saying we like weed guys yeah we really fucking like weed yeah for god's sake like and this is Fox mind you who yeah. made this movie yeah they don't seem like the type of company who are gonna if you listen to Fox News and remember they're the same company they don't seem like the type of person who'd be okay with this okay, message I do just want to double check that this was written by Jane yeah it was written by Jane Goldman Jane can you just leave it alone like this is not... That was not the crux of this movie. This pairing, Jane Goldman and Matthew Vaughan, wrote the script for Kick-Ass, mm. which I think is just such a tightly made, inherently timeless script mm-hmm. about about actually being a hero. Yeah. In, in it's an not that complicated a movie. No, it's not. No. This one goes overly complex. Oh, God. And is yet amazingly still somehow very shallow. Yeah. Which is kind of cornerstone by, which I'm pretty sure is the one scene that, because we know that Jane Goldman's married to Jonathan Ross, is the one that he pitched, I imagine. It's the scene that everybody's talking about to give this movie sort of like a, like a, a kind of rallying point for this movie. Like, because everybody's going mad about this scene, right? Um, so, which scene's that? I mean, is this spoilers? Is this spoilers? It's the scene. Oh, that scene. Yeah. That's a bit spoilery, yeah. Is it a bit spoilery? Yeah. Well, we'll come to that because basically. This movie's so fucking scatterbrained, it's unreal, and Julianne Moore is an embodiment of that. And I yeah. just, the more you think about it, the more there is to hate. Yeah, right. This is what this is what I'm saying. You come at this movie and you just start picking it apart with any amount of common sense, and it's so bad. But then you add in. We haven't even talked about the subplot where Eggs is getting married into royalty. Yeah, that's a thing that happens. Yeah, like so we know he he got with the 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 Swedish. I want to say Swedish. Swedish. The Swedish princess at the end, the anal joke. 
at the end of Kingsman. Yeah. They are now a couple. The anal joke. The yeah. anal joke. They are now a couple. They stay together. They're very much in love. He, he, they are... Are they engaged already? No, they're not. Are they, actually? I can't remember. I or get the feeling they anything? are. I think at some point that they are. They're, become, they're going to become, become married, which for a spy to be a public figure of royalty, no less, pretty much, uh, uh, you know, that's not going to be good. You can't be a spy anymore. Yeah, sorry. they've not really thought that through, have they? No, no. And they could have dropped it. I don't think anyone would have batted an eyelid if the Swedish princess wasn't in this movie mm. and he was just a single, he ended up with Roxy or whatever. Um, who again was probably put back into the movie to facilitate that fucking scene no, which exactly, we'll come to exactly exactly um, and yet it's such a weird it does have a good joke and this is the thing but we're not mentioning it there are good jokes laced all the way through this movie that's true that got genuine laughs from everyone in that screening we went and saw so giving the movie a bit of a kicking because it deserves it but the thing it needs to deliver on comedy and action to some extent, it does both pretty well, particularly comedy. It's still a very funny movie. That's true. Um, and it provides a good scene for humour. But, again, it's another plate they've got to spin. And they're spinning about ten of them already at this point. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, God, it just it boggles the mind why they felt the need to make it so complex. The first one was not this complex at all. No. You were with, you were with Eggsy for pretty much the entire movie, and that's all you needed. But we were with Eggsy for most of this movie... And it still falls apart under any amount of thinking. That's true. And we haven't even got to the robot dogs. <laughs> yeah, with a naming convention that I was like, oh, I get that reference. I didn't realise they were going to go the whole hog with it, though. Wait, what was the reference? We'll come to the Dayland spoilers. Wonderful. Yeah, there's robot dogs and a robot arm. Yeah. Now, the robot arm at least provides a cool scene. Yeah, you do get a good fight scene out of that. And we you do. do get to bring back a character who I didn't think we were going to bring back. No, we're going to mention cool. him. Yeah, may as well, yeah. It's not too much of a spoiler, is it? No, I mean, he's in all the trailers. I mean, I didn't recognise him in the trailers. No. But he he's definitely back. Yeah, he's Charlie from the first movie. It was one of the... It was him, Roxy and Eggsy who got to like, the final bit of the Kingsman thing. He got kicked out. Yeah. Um, he was in the end scene in the kind of big party that Sam Jackson was throwing. But because Eggsy electrocuted him, that short-circuited the kind of chip that blew everyone's head up. So he's alive. Um, and now he's working for Julianne Moore. Yeah, he's playing by uh, Edward Holcroft, by the way. I don't know whether we mentioned that. I actually liked him. I think he continues... I, I think he makes a far more fitting adversary than fucking Julianne Moore. Yeah, exactly. Now, he's missing an arm. Yeah. Because um, that kind of got blown off um, in in that big party scene. And they replace it with a, a robot arm, which makes for two very good scenes, I think. I feel two like, good action scenes, at I least. I feel like there was, a, there was a better version of this movie where, where Charlie's the main villain... And, inst- and and you kind of play on the trope of how but the Bond movies change. Because essentially they are still just a parody of the Bond movies, yeah. but done better. Mm. The first one at least. Yeah. And it could have been a good chance to do a piss take of that change between Die Another Day and Casino Royale. Yeah. You could have had him go like super serious and hardcore because now he's got the shaved head. and Yeah. That would have been an interesting way to take that. And yeah. do a kind of send up of like what? Like the first one deconstructed Roger Moore Bond movies. Why can't this one deconstruct... Pierce Brosnan and Daniel Craig Bond movies when the last one sucked ass. I yeah. feel like that's the perfect opportunity. Yeah. Again, squandered. And he didn't, because now it feels like a parody of the really over-the-top Roger Moore, Pierce Brosnan movies and not for the betterment. Honestly, it feels like a parody of the first movie. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, like, remember Kingsman? I'm nutty. Like, th- no, stop. Okay, we've skirted around him long enough and we're not going to spoil the whole kit and caboodle but um, Colin Firth is back. He's back. Really kind of wish he wasn't. Yeah. 
It, uh, to quote Max Landis, praise be unto Landis. Praise be. Um, when he's talking about the death and return of Superman, he said mm. the death and return of Superman didn't kill Superman. It killed death in comic books. Yep. That's what this movie does. When you def- when you take away the concept of characters can die mm-hmm. and there are stakes. Again, the line in the first movie is this is not that kind of movie before he shoots him in the head. Yeah. Then it turns out it is that yeah, kind of movie. It's 100% that kind of movie because, oh. because you know, you accidentally created one of the best action scenes in mm-hmm. modern cinema with the church yeah. scene. Oh, God. So you spend the entire movie trying to replicate it. And they don't. And they never do. I mean, okay, so like, quick sidebar. The action's really good. Yeah, it is. The opening car chase scene. Shot in was, Birmingham. I couldn't spot any, like, oh, I know that street, but I spent most of it going, oh. We must be somewhere. I I did spot. Oh, go on. I spotted it. Um, so there, it's the bit where he's. This hanging will only off. be of use to people. I know, right? So the bit where he's like hanging off the door and then just like the jump and it yeah, yeah. brings that out. As that pans up, you can see all bar one, which is in Birmingham. Oh, really? It, I was like, I was still like, I know this is the one because as soon as the miniguns came out, because yeah. a friend of mine was an extra, right? In oh, the movie, right. Um, and he said, "There's a car chase with three jeeps and miniguns." I'm like. And as soon as the minigun comes, I went, this is the Birmingham scene. I have to find a point of reference. Ooh. And I found it. So, yay! We're, we're in a movie! Well, I mean, we're not. But we like, made it. And we're going to be in Ready Player One. Well, Digbeth is. Yeah. Um, which is going to be... Because <laughs> if, you know, if you want somewhere as <laughs> we need <laughs> monochromingly looks... depressive, we you get some... Digbeth. <laughs> we need somewhere that looks like the world's ended. Let's go to Digbeth. Get it all there, Digbeth. It's, it's so true. They could, they, could, they could film all of the scenes from the stacks, uh, literally just yeah. in the custard factory. It's, <laughs> they could do it's that. It's the Camden of Birmingham, if you're wondering. Yeah, it's... It's hell on earth. It is. Um, right, so so the action scene, yeah, the opening car chase scene is awesome. There's that one awesome shot of him doing the donut around the roundabout. Oh, that's Which is cool. one shot, and it's fucking beautiful. I, I really loved the, uh, the how he controlled the, the taxi to go literally parallel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love that. Of all the things, I thought I that was the most impressive. And when we have good fight scenes littered throughout this, they're shot in the Matthew Vaughan way, yeah. which I feel like it gets a little tiresome by the end. Especially the final fight, I was like, oh, I'm kind of over this. Yes, with the frequency in this movie, I think with Kingsman and Kick-Ass, he got it right. Yeah, but uh, they're still good. It's, it, they're weaker than the comedy, I think. They're not, they're not hold up as well, but it's still good. But again, they do spend the entire movie trying to top the the church scene and never quite getting there. Mm. And I don't think they should have. They should have tried to make different action scenes. So we got a car chase. We didn't really have a car chase in the first one. Not that I know of. Well, it opened with the car chase, but that was when he was Actually, no, yeah, the car chase in the first one was brilliant because it was the reverse one. Yeah, 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 that was really good. Um, Right, back on point. So I'm going to have to deconstruct um, Colin... For after the, um, the spoilers, after the spoilers, yeah, because um, Jesus Christ, we don't want to give it away. Okay, I've only got one thing left to talk about that's before spoilers. Okay, I've got to talk about Elton John. Are we doing that now? I need to. Okay, okay, since we're talking about Elton John, they, they set up that gag where the robot dogs are called Benny and Jet. I don't get it, Benny and the Jets. Oh, oh, right, okay, I get it now. That went over my head completely, but there we go. See, I was like, oh, that's a fun Elton John reference. Oh, God, why are you here? <laughs> yeah, so Elton John was on the posters, but everyone thought, well, it'll just be like a little... It's not a little cameo. No. He pops up for several scenes. Which is weird. And people are kind of rallying against it mm. and saying it's kind of stupid. Yeah. I fucking loved it. <laughs> I loved every second of it. To me, it was like... It was like the best kind of Family Guy joke. In yeah. the sense that it starts out hilarious. 
They keep doing it and you start to hate it. But the way it ends is hilarious against the perfect yep. bell curve. It's Sideshow Bob stepping on the rakes. Yep. <laughs> That's funny to begin with. Stops being funny and then begins to be hilarious again. <laughs> yeah. It's it's Because he turns up and he's been kidnapped by Julianne Moore to just sit in the amphitheater and play Elton Johnson. Yeah. So play Rocky Man. Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that they've really played Dundee. You know, you know what it kind of feels like? And I know it because... My point of reference is a bit skewed because uh, my introduction to the violence of, of Elton John was through Bo Selector. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. it kind of feels like a natural progression of Bo Selector. It does. I was half expecting him to like put on a pair of like really thick rimmed glasses and be like, you can shove it up your crack. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't have felt out of place. It wouldn't have. Because... And again, it's it's so bizarre, and it's 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 plays a part of that kind of heightened reality because there is some, a point at which Elton John does something that Elton John cannot do, <laughs> yeah. but does it anyway. But it was the only thing about the heightened reality I really liked because I just found it so bizarre that it was just got so many laughs out of me. Elton John was the funniest part of this movie for me. Yeah, I I was hailed <laughs> everything he did. I just oh god, I loved it so much. I so really did. When they first introduced him, is he like in the background in like a in like a controlled box? Yeah. And he's just it's just him swearing and raving. Fuck off! You can't my room. It was really funny. <laughs> But like, I, I can see why people didn't like it. I mean, yeah, if you're not into the bizarre, or if you just don't like Elton John, <laughs> I imagine it was bad. But I fucking love. I will forever defend Saturday Night's Alright for Fighting. As oh an god! <laughs> he starts singing Saturday yeah, Night's yeah. Alright Fighting. He's like Wednesday Night's Alright Fighting. <laughs> but isn't the song Saturday? And he goes, "What day is it? Wednesday? Then it's Wednesday Night's Alright for Fighting, isn't it?" <laughs> Oh, they missed a perfect God. opportunity to make a joke, which I, which doesn't feel out of place for this movie's level of crassness as well. Mm. Like you know, when um, there's there's a scene towards the end of the movie where Harry and Elton John fight robot dogs, yeah, which is just a great sentence. Yep. Colin Firth and Elton John fighting robot dogs. Yep. That's, a, that's that's the reality we live in. Yeah, yeah that yeah. happened. Um, and I felt like they had an opportunity to do a perfect callback to the first movie, and they really didn't. He was like, because uh, he says, if I save the world, can I get front row tickets too? Yeah. And I thought, I thought, are you actually going to do the line of, if you save the world, we can do it in the arsehole? <laughs> I thought, that would have been so unbelievably perfect, <laughs> controversial, but so incredibly perfect. And they didn't do it. They and I, don't. Was, I was like, I know where this gag's going. I was like, oh, turns out I don't. Missed opportunity. Oh, oh well. For shame. Implied homosexual activity between yeah. Colin Firth and Elton John. Yeah, I would have been game yeah. for that. I would have gone up at least a few stars. Right. I, I think when it comes to giving a recommendation, it, it, it's I still enjoyed my time. In the immediate aftermath of it, I was happy of having watched that movie. It's just thinking about it and thinking about, more importantly, what it could have been. Yeah. It's kind of retroactively ruined it a little bit. So we've just spent a good amount of time kicking the shit out of it, but I still would give it a recommendation. Yeah, I think there are things in there that do need to be celebrated. The yes. action's very good, the sets and locations are very nice, if too a bit too contrived and varied, I don't know. Taron Egerton's amazing. Yep. I will continue to go into movies with Taron Egerton in them, as yep. is Mark Strong. It's, and it is funny. It is funny, yeah. The, the, funny. the comedy is, is solid, it's gold, it's fine, it's 
awesome all the way through. It's just everything else from the first movie has taken a hit. I would recommend watching the first one if you haven't, um, then watching the second one, and then immediately watching the first one again. Yes. To kind of cleanse the palate. Yep. Because the, the, the second one's got some good stuff to offer. It's just not the out-of-the-park hit that the yeah, first one was. absolutely. It's, it's a different beast. They uh, Fair play to them. They didn't stick to the formula. They changed it up a little bit. That's true. But it didn't work. Ah, well. Spoiler alert! Right. So Colin Firth. Yeah. He's shot in the face. Yeah. By, by Sam Jackson. Pretty much, con- pretty convincingly dead as hell. No, the, the way they get around it is that basically the statesman saw the kind of spike in the frequencies, which I felt like, okay, they would respond to something like that. That yeah. makes sense. Soon it's taking place in America. Yeah. That scene. They, and I think it's even in the same state. That's why they're able to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they arrive and they have a, a deus ex wrap that they put around his face. That fucking thing. I know. I and hated it, and that. And it, repa- it basically saves the life of anyone who's been shot in the head. And they use it again on um, Aubrey Martel when he gets shot in the face by Colin Firth. They use it again to save him. Though he has no ill effects, mm. which Colin Firth has a lot. Yeah. So, um, if you haven't seen this movie, and why you listen to spoilers, but, um, so, so we, we, they save his life, but he regresses slightly to like a... He forgets he's a Kingsman agent and he regresses to before he was an army where he wanted to be a butterfly collector. Um, and he sat there like, like you know, being a bit odd. Traditional Colin Firth, essentially. Yeah, being a bit of a... Being a bit yeah, of a yeah, namby-pamby, yeah. was wants to play with all his, his butterflies. Um, and, and they keep trying to like use shock therapy to get him back on board to make him the original Colin Firth. Um, it doesn't work until Eggsy threatens to shoot a dog. Shoot the dog. Shoot the dog. In front that was of one him. of our favourite. <laughs> Shoot, Shoot the, the dog. dog. Um, With my cocaine. My cocaine. Um, and that kind of gets him back. But it's clear. Now, what I did like is they showed that there was consequences to, to the action of the first movie. Yes, he's back alive, but he's not the same. Problem is, he's not the same. <laughs> yeah, the problem is, he was one of the best things about the original movie. He's the best thing about the original movie. Yeah, because nobody down. thought he would be an action star. No. And now we want him to be an action star, and he's not. Because he, they bring him back, and again, he's, he's, they keep saying he's not fit for purpose, he cannot be a field agent, but needs must, he has to go out there. And it's implied that he's gone a bit off the rails even after he's been, you know, he's reverted back, he's got all his memories back. He thinks that um, the Red Viper is a conspirator, shoots him in the face. Turns out he's right, but you never really get the full explanation of why he's come to that conclusion. Yeah. It just, again, plays into, oh, Colin Firth's a bit nutty. And then... I'm nutty. It, it, it's like he's come back as a different character. He's yeah. cold. Mm. He's callous. He doesn't really care anymore. He's so, like, devoid of feeling that it it's not... Why bring him back to not bring back the character we all liked and make him someone we don't like? Yeah, it's it's weird. He lacks all charm that he had from that first movie. Yeah, because that's that was the thing about the first movie, and you get it in the very ending scene where Eggsy goes and gets married because you have like a a retread of the Eggsy look in the mirror, what do you see, yeah. sort of thing, and that's. That was a thread that we had in the first movie going through, that it was this this replacement fatherly figure, and it did yeah. feel organic, whereas this one is kind of like, well, the church scene worked so very well, so let's just keep trying to do that yeah. over and over again. But also, this time, he doesn't do it as well. Like, you're just removing all of the fun parts of what yeah. made Harry Hart such a good character. If you're going to bring him back... Um, again, I'm glad they showed there was consequences. That's fine, but you could play it up, say he's like, his depth perception's off. Which is implied, you know, he does try to do the thing where he hooks the umbrella around the glass and throws it, but it 
completely misses him because he's got one eye. He can't quite get the depth perception in. But it just means that he's not enjoyable. There was yeah. no point to bringing him back because it's not like we've got the original Harry Hart back. We've just got cold Colin Firth back. Yeah. I don't want that. There are some good bits. Like his best scene, I think his best scene, is actually a flashback scene to him teaching Eggsy about the forks and the knives and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because that like... was Harry Hart from the first movie, Back from the Dead. I did like that. And the initial bit where, you know, they get him back, they get him, his memories back and him and Eggsy hug. That is a really nice moment. Mm. I really did enjoy that. He's back. It's great. Everything after that, couldn't get behind. Mm. Really didn't feel earned. It really didn't feel like it was worthwhile doing. Leave him dead. Have that long-lasting consequences. Have Mark Strong replace him. Don't kill him for no reason. In a movie where we've established that death is not no longer a concern, why in the fuck they decided to go with the thing of let's kill off Merlin... Like, it's not good. No one's going to have any amount of emotional depth to killing off what was one of the best characters in this franchise. But it's it's it feels so uncalled for. Yeah, and completely unneeded death that could have been prevented ten times over. Yeah. Like, oh, it just, it didn't, and it didn't, like, okay, he took out six dudes. She's still got an army full of them and robot dogs. He didn't really make all that difference in the fight. Mm. They immediately then go and show Eggsy and, um... Colin Firth taking out ten times more as Mark Strong took it out with his yeah. sacrifice. I just felt it didn't feel right. It felt such like a you're just doing this to be mean now. Yeah. You're just taking away everyone we liked from that first movie. Okay, Roxy, fine. She was a nice part of the first movie. It's not that I understand that death because it adds emotional weight without taking much away from the from the story. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's just like when what happens at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Right, same level That's of true, stuff. Yeah, right, it's 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 meaningful and impactful, but long term doesn't change the game, doesn't change the trajectory at all. Whereas Mark Strong dying, it really really irked me. Yeah, I didn't like it at all. The way it was handled was very badly yeah. because you know again. It's introduced in, in a scenario now where death is not a problem because Mark Strong can easily come back for the next one, paint him silver, and go, "Yeah, we reconstituted him in a robot body. Well done." Like. In yeah. this movie, in this universe now that you've set up, death is just a minor hurdle. So, I mean, what the fuck? I'm pretty sure the Red Viper isn't coming back. Yeah, that did He's happen, halfway through it? a mincer, so I think yeah. he's I think he's gone. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, he, Mark Strong goes out via landmine. So, yeah, that'll probably be that's, quite that's difficult. Probably, that's probably him dead. But, but as but we've learned, not impossible. No. So there's no emotional weight to that. No. The way he goes out is unceremonious because yeah. he literally, like... Oh, it's my first time on a field mission. I've stepped on a landmine. Yeah. Fuck's sake. Such a waste of opportunity. Mark Strong could have had one good action scene and gone out like a hero. Yeah, he goes out at the start of, like, it's implied that, right, he's finally putting the suit on, he gets to be an agent. No, he doesn't. He dies without even setting foot into a battle. Yeah. He steps on a landmine and he's gone. And, and he's going out singing a fucking country song, which seemed a bit... Yeah, that was a bit odd. A bit odd. I thought it would be like... I think it's Chain Tatum's thing, though, because it's um, Country Roads Take Me Home, which was also in Lucky Logan. Yeah, which did have just... a, like an impactful moment on yeah. that movie, but not in this one. I think if Chain Tatum's in a movie, you have to have that song in there. <laughs> Is that in his contract? It seems to be. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, we could go into the whole the, the drugs thing and how it was a really stupid plan yeah. but I don't want to because I don't want to be that angry <laughs> it's really bad again yeah. you think about that plot for 10 seconds and, and you won't be able to draw a straight line of it here's, yeah. here was Julianne Moore's plan um, I'm really kind of over kicking this movie yeah, so can we kind of quickly discuss the uncomfortable scene which I was referring right, to right yeah so 
um, Eggsy has to go to Glastonbury. Because, you know, reasons. Because Charlie's ex-girlfriend's there and they think that she's the way to find him. Yeah, which again, if you think about that for 10 seconds, that yeah. really falls apart as well. But it's also implied that she's met Julianne Moore because she has the Golden Circle tattoo, yeah. which she only gives to henchmen. Mm. But she's not, she's at Glastonbury. Makes no sense. Yeah, again, if you think about it for two minutes, it, it falls apart. So Exy has to in, put, a, put a tracer in her, into yeah. her bloodstream. But to do that, she has to get into a bloodstream and it's, oh, you've got to do it via sex. Um, Which, when you think about it for too long, it, that entire scene becomes Taron Edgerton and Pedro Pascal in competition to see who can fuck someone first. Mm. Which is... It's very uncomfortable to me. I'm not sure no. why I didn't enjoy that. I like the idea of it being a charm-off. Like, what's what's more charming, the British agent or the country home cowboy? Yeah. But there are better ways of doing that than, than which one of us is going to fuck this girl. Yeah. Which, even then, its resolution is equally as grim. The Because it goes on to the whole tarot is like, look, it FaceTimes his girlfriend. He goes, I've got to have sex with someone else. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't introduce that. Like I know why it's been introduced because it's a plot contrivance to make sure that there's some form of like disconnect and stakes yeah. when it turns out that literally everybody's been using recreational drugs. Who knew? So many people are using recreational drugs. I know, right? But then it ends on on just a really uncomfortable moment of the way that he's gonna do it is finger her. Yeah. Well he could have just said I well I I just think put a finger in her mouth. Yeah, I mean, it would be weird. You could you could be like... Wait, that's my thing. Yeah. Have some of that. Yeah, like, you know, like, pop it on your thumb and do the whole... Yeah. Like, yeah. Done. Done. Job done. But no, instead we get a really uncomfortable tracking shot of his hand yeah. going into a... Um, uh, the more I think about it... Go in the start of the, like, the, the Mark Brian Singer's original X-Men trailers when you fly through the DNA. <laughs> Basically that, but it's a bash. So, so what you're saying is this? That super made better by da 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 da. At some point, a big X door shuts for no apparent reason in a urethra. Oh god! <laughs> you just an X shaped hymen just boom. <laughs> <laughs> We've somehow made this worse, Darren. You've saved it. <laughs> done it, Herod. You've done it again. These days are lost. Then there we be. Oh, happy days. Uh, right, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of... And again, the message of the movie is so... Because it comes to the end, right? And they've got the, the kind of thing that will release the cure to millions of people worldwide. Which, of and, course, and are the Amazon them. drones. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what they oh, are. They occurred to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, product placement is quite egregious in this movie. Mm. Have you put... What about this Kingsman aftershave? I've already got some on. <laughs> is this Wayne's World now? <laughs> <laughs> but without the joke... <laughs> He's going to be opening like a big bag of Doritos in the next shot and just like, not even like crinkling the packet slightly, like putting a full arm in. Oh, God. Mm. <laughs> and it's a, so the president's thing, which kind of made sense a little bit, is like, I can win the war on drugs. Yeah, by killing off it. all the drug users. By killing off all the drug users. And it felt like this is a bit of a turn. If they played up as the guy looked a bit more like Donald Trump, you're like, yeah, that's something Trump would do. Yeah, this movie is definitely trying to do the probably the first of what I suspect to be many movies. But it's paid for by Fox, who supported him. Yeah, a bit weird. <clears throat> so so you get to the end, right? They get the case of Julianne Moore to release the cure. And I'll sat there going, so the point of this movie was to save all the drug people of the world. Crack addicts, heroin addicts, the works. 
And the guy, so Pedro Pascal turns, does a heel turn because his wife was killed by drug addicts. Now they play up that he's also got an ulterior motive that he's going to be rich because if all the drugs are gone from the world and everyone's terrified of using them, then whiskey sales are going to go through the fucking roof. But he had a legitimate thing. Yes, it's quite callous to say that everyone deserves to die who takes drugs, but I was like, so now we're on the side of the people who are fighting to save crack addicts. Yeah, basically. Is that where we've, where we've landed? That's definitely what their side is, right? Yeah. And I feel like we didn't need that. There's so many better plots we could have done than than this. That It's so muddled and stupid and thick. And please plug away, Michael, because my head's going to blow. Yeah, so go watch it once, maybe, but never You, after, don't, after you don't need to see it again. Don't buy it on Blu-ray. Anyway, you can go and find me on Twitter, at that Mike Cohen, also on Instagram under that name. Or you can go and follow the site under the F-O-U-L-E-N-T name. That's F-O-U-L-E-N-T on Facebook, Twitter, St. Clair Minds, Instagram, etc., etc. Darren? You can follow me on Twitter at The Good Tree. You can follow me on Instagram at Dazzle G. Um, we have just recorded a review for It. Who knew that I prefer It to Kingsman? Yeah, who thought Kingsman that, eh? Good God. But yeah, you can go and listen to our review for It. And we are also just about to record our X-Men pitch, where we're going to try and put uh, the X-Men into the MCU, uh, following on from Stan Lee's quotes. Um, and yeah, we've taken two very different tacks. So um, tune in for that. It's going to be a fun one. Oh, I said tune in. Oh, oh you did it. Darren. You don't tune the internet, Darren. Ugh. This is my joke for this year. Yay! Bye, everybody. Bye.